What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of SSPN Live. I'm Jude, that's Ethan, and we're here to talk some Spurs basketball. A tough week for the Spurs, Ethan. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> two, two losses to start off with the Lakers and the Blazers, where you're kind of neck and neck for the majority of the game, and then they go on a run. And because we're the worst defensive team in the league, we have no chance of getting back into it, um, (laughs) to put it simply. And then, of course, you have the injury bug hit on Thursday, which just allowed the Clippers to to do whatever they want to as they're competing for playoff seating right now and we're competing for lottery seating. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we're kind of getting repetitive with the themes right. of every game, but it's pretty. it's been pretty much the same story. Like you said, we're right there, if not in the lead for that first half, that third mm-hmm. quarter or fourth quarter is where teams just turn it on against us. The Clippers game, that one was just, you know, a blowout. We lost yeah. by 38, but that's when a basically fully healthy LA Clipper team, they didn't have uh, John Wall, but otherwise I'm pretty sure they were like all healthy. They had Trey Mann, Kennard, and George, we had Kawhi. three rotation players out and had mm-hmm. to call up Blake Wesley. Didn't help that Sohan <laughs> is probably our best perimeter defender. So who's going to guard PG or Kawhi? And you take uh, out Romeo too, and Jay Rich. Like those are all good, decent, really defenders. solid defenders. Right. And all three have become a very pivotal part of our offense as well. Mm-hmm. Like Sohan, I know he has his struggles every once in a while, but he has found a consistent like. 10 to 15 point performance pretty much at any given night in the second half of the season. So with his injury, I feel like we've really seen what he does for us offensively. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Cause everyone knows what he does for us defensively, but I think there's a lot of skepticism with his offensive game and how actually impactful it is. And that's um, come, that's come along more and kind of like the, mm-hmm. since the, the one handed free throw really. For sure. And, but even in the sense of just playmaking for others, setting great screens, uh, having high, high IQ basketball plays, making the right pass at the right time, um, all those things that he does that people don't necessarily see on the stat sheet. Mm-hmm. It, it was it was pretty clear against the Clippers that that we missed that. Now I don't think his presence would have gave us, given us a win, but I think hopefully it would have been a little bit closer than maybe it was. not a forty point loss. <laughs> yeah, maybe a, a twenty point loss. Yeah, right, right. I mean, because look, if you look back to that Clippers game um, last week at home. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously he didn't slow down Kawhi, but there were like, if you watch the game, there were, there were some possessions where, well, he forced PG to pass out a lot, which led to the assist that he had in that game. So that really didn't really stop buckets from being made. But the point is he gave like, he at least annoyed Kawhi and PG where in this game, Kawhi and like PG went for 35, seven and three, and then Kawhi went for 27, seven and, and, you know, and three, two. Actually, it was four boards for for Paul George. I was looking at steals. Paul George had an extremely efficient. That's the thing, right? And that wasn't that wasn't necessarily. Well, I think it's more just about PG when I'm looking at this. He made him pass out a lot more, but they were just Mm -hmm. able to wreak havoc. Is the point with his absence because he at least was able to switch and like harass them a little bit, even if they're going to make the tough bucket. It's like that um, resistance wasn't even there at all that's what i was that was was what i was trying to say (laughs) it doesn't help either that the clippers have been on an absolute rampage the past couple weeks as far as shooting the three 18 for 38 47 percent from three-point land everyone saw what they did to the lakers it was just a shooting display so when you're out with those perimeter defenders plus they're all hot like that's really difficult to overcome yeah, and we didn't even mention Norman Powell. He had a bad yeah. shooting night, but still had 15. We know what he can do. Um, and Robert Covington made up for it at a super yeah. efficient shooting night with two steals and, and seven boards, too. We actually out-rebounded them, I'm seeing. But really? that, that percentage, a shooting percentage is really just what killed us, it looks like. And turnovers. We had 12 turnovers to their five. Yeah, so we had to start Malachi, too. Yeah, I didn't think he played... Uh, well... He got minus 23. He, he definitely getting guarded by Paul George. He's Kawhi a Leonard, rookie. Powell, just thrust into this situation. Yeah. Not a great spot to be in for your first mm. star. I think it's his first star, right? Or just like his second no, star? No, he's, he's had some starts earlier in the year when, when we had the injury bug. Okay. But, you know, I, I wasn't expecting brilliance. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't either. Um, And, yeah, I mean, like when you take out the people that we took out, I mean, we, we've kind of like had to reestablish a new flow to the offense since Devin has been hurt. Mm-hmm. And then we took out 
all of those guys <laughs> like like yeah. Jay Rich, Sohan and and Romeo Langford. Like if we're really talking about this past couple stretch where we've been able to be competitive in games, it like those three guys are a big reason, you know, for that. Yeah. Um and so when you take that out, I mean, it's like you're running you're having to run brand new stuff. Malachi probably still doesn't know every play like by heart, you yeah. know what I mean? Um and he hasn't been in a starting role, KBD I mean, obviously, you can always plug and play KBD, but KBD is still, you know, there's a difference between Sohan and KBD, um, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that was just a tough one to watch. Like, I don't really remember much of that game because I was just watching it and I was like, this is just, this is over. Like, <laughs> it's so bad. Like, I'm looking mm-hmm. at Isaiah Roby. Isaiah Roby ha- had an efficient shooting night. Like, on the stat sheet, looks like he had a solid game, but... I feel like most of that had to have come in the fourth quarter because I don't even really remember seeing him that much. The like, only thing I remember from Isaiah is he had one nice dunk. Yeah. He yeah. threw it down on top of somebody. I can't remember who it was, but that was it. <laughs> like, other than that, I don't remember a single moment. Um, but yeah, statistically, I guess he had a pretty decent night. Yeah. I'll That's probably you. one of his better nights of the year, like yeah. statistically at least. Yeah. Um, I guess we can talk a little bit about Blake Wesley. I don't really think there's too much to say. I just think mm-hmm. he was kind of called up into the he didn't like obviously yeah. there were they took advantage of him a little bit because he hasn't played in you know he's been playing in the G League you know hasn't played against this type of competition you know in a while right other than those three games he played here before um but I will say like regardless of the stat sheet he didn't he didn't look terrible he actually looks like he plays a little bit like more efficient like you talked mm-hmm. about that in the league you know, because he's not with Pop over there. He's not going to do. You know, he doesn't. He doesn't have the freedom to be blunt, um, which mitigates mistakes for sure. Yeah, I didn't think he looked scared of the moment offensively, at least. Mm-hmm. Defensively, obviously, it was going to be a struggle for him. It was a struggle for the whole team. Right. But offensively, he looked like he was getting into the sets well enough, making the right pass. It was just mm-hmm. the Clippers are so good defensively. He didn't really have an opportunity to kind of you know do anything special but he also didn't make many mistakes he only had one turnover in 21 minutes i'll take that mm-hmm. i'll take that on any given night from a rookie who's had problems with that in the past like that's solid two assists two boards six points nothing crazy but i remember his first shot was a three. he didn't try to force anything either no that's what no. you like his first shot was a three it was in rhythm and at first i thought because usually you know malachi or sohan they get that open three and they kind of hesitate for a second because they're like should i take it yeah, i don't know yeah, if i should yeah, yeah. he just pulled he pulled yeah. up. He missed it, but I'm fine with him taking those shots. Yeah, I, he definitely has that. That I would say in the small amount of sample size that we've seen of him playing rotation minutes on the actual Spurs, um, he definitely I feel like is a little bit less out of the three rookies. Very small sample size. Again, that's a key asterisk here. But from what we've seen from him so far, out of the three rookies, he has the least amount of hesitation. It feels yeah. like when he plays, which is good. I mean, he's going to make mistakes, but it's like there's so many times earlier in the year, especially for Sohan when he was really struggling before mm-hmm. he, you know, started making some, some more threes. plays, right? Making some threes, the one-handed free throw, just being in more rhythm offensively, finding his spots more, figuring out, you know, where he can find his open looks. Um, you know, th- that was real tough there. He was very hesitant in in a lot of situations. Um, and same with Malachi as well, but I feel like you really got to see it with Sohan in that tough stretch that he had before the one-handed free throws um, where we were, you know, where it was just rough for a little bit. I think that was like also during when, when Devin and Kelvin were hurt there for a second. Um, yeah. About, about, yeah, that was coincided, just, sort of. that was just such a, like, tough. even though we're talking about like bl- a blowout loss this week and a zero and three week, like that Spurs team feels so far away from the one that we've been watching recently. Like, cause at least really with does. this last loss, it's like, okay, well, three of your rotation players are out and you're already like a, a bottom tier team in the league. Yeah. You know, it, it makes sense. Um, but our man Birkin Al. Altenock said could Romeo and Josh be back tonight and this is a good segue to the other thing that we're going to talk about Ethan which is the Suns game tonight and there is a chance that Romeo Langford Josh Richardson and Jeremy Sohan all play tonight um but they are just listed as questionable so we'll have to see um but hopefully they play could be able to they're not out the other games they've been out I I think probably 
after <laughs> the way that that Clippers game went. Maybe we don't get all of them back tonight, but I have a feeling like at least one of this three or probably like two of this three um, will be back. I would say Romeo Langford for sure, because I think he was out before he mm-hmm. was out two games. So, yes. I don't know. That could maybe mean that he's out again because it's a worse injury, but it could also mean that he's had more time to recover. Yeah, I would also... It's hard because they all have reasons for to come back. Like Romeo has been out longer, so it would make sense for him to come back. Sohan's so young, might as well play him. Like how hurt can he be mm-hmm. at this point? And then Jay Rich, trade value. We kind of need you to play. Yeah. <laughs> like so you can And it was a back to back. That's the other mm-hmm. thing. So like how serious were those injuries? You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. That's another good point too. I, I honestly I wouldn't be surprised if all three of them are back tonight. Um, but just looking at this injury report, there's another note here on Devin Vassell, and this isn't anything crazy. Um, but he was spotted Tuesday doing some walking on a treadmill. So hey. starting a little bit of that rehab from surgery. Um, Wait, where was he spotted? Well, I guess this is January 17th. I don't know. Tom or- Osborne of the San Antonio Express News Report. So I'm sure it was just at the practice yeah. facility. <laughs> the way like, that sounded like always like, like a Planet Fitness walking around. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Hey, hey, shouldn't you be uh, consulting or doing all of this recovery with the Spurs medical staff? Why are you here? <laughs> he, he likes the uh, grunk. Is it the grunk alarm? He likes to just, no, he just likes to flaunt himself in public. Yeah. No. <laughs> I love Devin. I hope he comes oh, back um, after the Well, they said break. He, sh- he should be back. He's going to, it's just that, that was the procedure. They were just, mm. that was just like the latest update they had um, for Devin. Yeah. So our man Keith Young says, I'm starting to think all this trade talk isn't actually going to lead to anything. <laughs> that is very fair. Look, as Spurs fans, it's like, you know, I, I kind of mentioned this on on the previous episode. I can't remember which one it was, but I probably said it throughout a couple times. It's just like since that Derek trade last year and then kind of a little bit of like the Zach Collins and the Doug McDermott signings, basically mm-hmm. since the end of the DeRozan Aldridge era, like the Spurs have been making more moves, right? There was that yeah. one year with, well, maybe a better way to put it is the Derek DeJounte era. I think that's a better way to put it with those guys getting moved and, you know, letting Lonnie go as well. Um, it just feels like, and and it feels like the Spurs are in more rumors. They've actually made more moves where, you know, like the two decades prior to that, we didn't see anything like that. Like probably the biggest signing we made was Steven Jackson. And that was probably the biggest trade we made when we traded him out. LaMarcus. Oh yeah, Lamarcus stuff. I yeah. can't believe it. But trade wise, like what other, yeah. like what other big move? There wasn't we, one. There, there wasn't one. And then that's because of the continuity. You have three Hall of Famers. You know, it's not really hard to get people <laughs> to want to stay. Um, and and you could sign people a lot easier. You don't really have to value the trade market as much. But in the situation the Spurs are in now, they definitely do value it a lot more. But I can understand why any Spurs fan would think that maybe none of this happens. I feel like that's been a caveat in the back of my mind when we're talking all of this because it's just their track record. Like it would yeah. be different if they didn't have two decades of doing that, but they do. And even before then, like during the, who's, was it Larry Brown? Was that the coach before? Before Pop? Yeah. 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 Like even in the Larry Brown era, the George Gervin era, like they weren't very, I mean, obviously there were less chariots in general then, but they still like the Spurs were never, like yeah, really never- like these have been some of their the, the Derek and DeJounte trades have been some of the biggest moves like really in franchise history I know that sounds crazy to say you could obviously put draft picks above them but when it comes to trades like those are the biggest name players we've really that have had the biggest roles on our team that we've traded whether it's the offseason or midseason so I think that's why it's a little bit more believable but there's also a lot of hesitancy mm. just because of the Spurs it's a weird trade deadline too, because I was listening to Brian Windhorst yeah. podcast about this, and there are like 12, 13 teams in the West that think they have legitimate shots of winning the right. championship, right? And in the East, it's like eight or nine teams. So there's a mm-hmm. lot more teams that have a shot here. Usually it's like, what, top four teams from each conference that really right. look to make moves like that. But now everyone's pretty much looking to make a move, but not that many teams have any picks right now. Like the teams that have the picks aren't necessarily looking to acquire a Yaka Pertle right. or a Josh Richardson. They, that's just because not on the, the table. of all the moves that have been made in the past, which kind of exactly. led to this parity in the league. Exactly. The Lakers have no picks. They have, have one first, and they really don't want to trade it. The Clippers, nothing. 
They can't offer anything. The Nuggets have picks, but they don't really need. They might. They gave it like what two for Aaron Gordon. So they don't really. They're not really looking to make a move. Well, right and now, now they've got Jamal Murray back, and they're right yeah. back at the top of the West. So, so it's they're like, fine. Why do they even need to make moves? Yeah. And then at the same time, Toronto apparently. This is all from Brian Windhorst. So if you want to go learn more, go listen to him on ESPN. But. Um, the, the league is basically waiting for the ESPN only listen, yeah, only to, listen SSPN. to SSPN. <laughs> Just listen to what I'm repeating him that he said. Uh, if you're a Spurs fan, yeah, if, if you want to go fan. for trade talk, go check it out. Yeah, he didn't actually mention the Spurs, but he kind of like alluded to it a little bit. Okay. He was like, the, well, that's the, okay then. Then they can yeah. go listen to ESPN. <laughs> the Raptors apparently are going to be the first domino to fall this trade deadline uh, because they're involved in so many different rumors right now mm-hmm. and so many three possible three team deals and, you know, trying to get picks from other teams so they can get rid of Gary Trent Jr., uh, Fred Van Vliet, apparently, because they're not excited about how he's been playing this season after getting an extension. Um, who else do they contract. have on their team? They have a big, big contract. I think they're looking to move one more guy from their team, potentially, but they're looking to acquire guys like Yaka Pirtle. Um, We've obviously seen that rumor going around. So this could really be down to the last minute, I feel like. I feel like the last couple days right before the deadline is just when we'll see a lot more moves going down. But until then, it's probably going to just be radio silence and we're just on the edge of our seats waiting for something to happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess just talking a little bit more about that because that's just the talk of now. And I know we've talked about it before, but it seems like the, the, the talks that the Spurs are potentially involved in, obviously surrounding Jakob Pertl, um and, and Josh Richardson and Doug McDermott. But just talking about the Raptors a little bit more, there's been the mystery third team and the three-team three team mm-hmm. trade with the Raptors, right? Yep. Uh, to potentially get the Spurs two first-round picks um, for Jakob Pertle. Um, there's also more news surrounding the um, the Raptors whenever it comes to OG Ananobi and potentially like getting three first-round picks for him, but that would also be through a three-team three, three trade. Yeah. So that's kind of like all the... It, with the smoke that we've heard, and like you said, who knows how true it is, um, but with the smoke we've heard and what Windhorse is saying, it kind of lines up. Um, so that'll be very interesting to see, but I, I agree with you. And usually, you know, the more that we're talking about it, obviously there'll be, like there was that one deal, like the Rui Hachimura deal that was already made for the Lakers. And we usually see a couple of those, but really it doesn't get too crazy where we just start getting notification after notification after notification uh, until like the day of the deadline some names to be on the lookout for there's there's a lot of names that could be mm-hmm. traded though Jude. like i'm thinking eric gordon from the rockets he's a, a guy that a lot of people want i mentioned fred van vliet the nets want to move ben simmons i'm pretty sure even mm-hmm. still wow because they've been having trouble with him getting just uh-huh. to play um and obviously they could use some more size boston's been struggling are they going to make a move for yaka purtle they could use another seven footer rim name. protector um who else? The Warriors. The Warriors. That's Warriors. another team that's been, yeah. The Suns even. Mm-hmm. The Suns might try and make a move because they still have Jay Crowder and they mm-hmm. don't want him. The Mavericks, apparently Luca told the front office that they don't that he wants them to make moves. They denied yeah, that I that's a thing. That. But I believe it 100% because he's Honestly, they could use Jakob. They could use Jakob. My, my cousin who I live with is always talking about how he would take Jakob. He's not going to give us two firsts for him, but mm-hmm. he wants Jakob Pertle on that team. Uh, just to be another rim protector next to Christian Wood, because Christian yeah. Wood's really a, a like a fragile five. He's more of a, like a stretch four. Right, right, right. But they could also use Jay Rich. I know they used to have him, but I think they could use some extra punch off their bench, or maybe even start him next to Luca, be a, a floor spacer. Mm-hmm. We bring Dinwiddie in off the bench. Uh, oh, and and what's his name? As as usual, John Collins is also available. <laughs> yeah, feels like every year. <laughs> every year he just demands a trade, and then he's like, eh, I guess not. um you know i was just thinking of something while you were talking and i think it's it's kind of eluded me but i i think what i was thinking about was just like when we were talking about all the moves that were made and this goes back to like the summer of kind of Kawhi pg signing with the clippers Mm -hmm. like right now i think we're really we're really seeing the effects of that um in this season and we we saw it last year too like there's definitely been more parity but like when you're talking about the picks like there were a lot of teams that, you know, made moves to get star players and of course compensated teams. And that ties into what you were talking about earlier is it's like the teams that want picks already have a lot of them. <laughs> like, yeah. Or like, you know, um, 
the the teams that are vying for these players to you know whether it's a Jakob Pertle or a John Collins and OG Ananobi whoever you know they I'm completely losing my train of they thought. They don't have I know the capital to, yes, to trade for. Yes, they don't have the capital. Exactly, right. Those teams don't have any picks because they've traded them away to get in the position that they're in right now. So that kind of that also ties into the Brian Windhorst holdup. So I guess I'm just roundabout talking through this and thinking about it with you. I, the roundabout thing that I'm getting to here is more that it, it probably will just continue to be up mm. until the deadline. There might be fewer trades than usual, but I have a feeling there will be more three-team deals than in the past. That was another thing that I was thinking of, too. Because of that situation, there's more yeah. three-team deals, which I feel like holds things up more. But mm -hmm. and, and I could see less trades, too. But another note I guess I would add is I think that they'll be a little bit more impactful. Yeah, than, I was going to say than, the same thing. For like every move, even if it's not a star player, like it's going to be like this team is adding this, addressing this need. Or, you know, it's going to, their impact trades, all of them will be, you know, even if they're not star players, they'll impact players like a Yakim. Mm. I guess th this was the other thing I was thinking of too. We've talked about like all of these rumors and, and kind of repeated them a little bit, but who are some people that maybe if the Spurs don't just get picks back, who is somebody that maybe they would take on in this scenario? Ooh. I mean, the first one that comes to mind is the Russell Westbrook possibility. Right, and that's one we haven't talked about. We forgot to mention that. Yeah, I mean, that's a weird one because we've talked about how Russ is claiming he doesn't want to be bought out. Or this was what he was saying last year when the rumors mm -hmm. were stronger about him, that he didn't want to be bought out, he'd want to be traded and then play for whatever team he got traded to or just stay in Los Angeles. I doubt he would want to play for the Spurs, though. So that would probably just be a buyout situation. Are you asking like someone that I would be fine with bringing on to play? I that's kind of maybe not necessarily fine with but just like realistically who is somebody the Spurs could potentially bring in in like okay. one of these moves you know what I mean yeah like who is somebody the Spurs would bring back it's kind of the more yeah. I'm thinking about it I feel like it's going to be like if we <laughs> Luka Greg, Greg says Luka Doncic right that's what we all want um, yeah but uh no like it's probably going to be like a Jay Rich Doug type. Like now that I'm yeah. thinking about it, it's not really. It's probably somebody on an expiring contract. Um, what Wiseman? <laughs> that would I'll be great. Wiseman, Kyle Lowry. I don't Keith. necessarily want yeah. Kyle Lowry. Yeah, I mean, are the are the Heat shopping him? I feel like I might have heard something about that actually. Yeah, not that I we would bring him in, but. I think it's less the heat shopping him as much as it is the fan base for Miami being like, we need to get rid of him because <laughs> yeah. he's really been very disappointing and they aren't having the season that they want he's to just have. older. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just he's not as impactful as they were hoping. Um, man, I'm trying to think. The Raptors championship was kind of the end of his prime. Yeah. As much as it pains me to say it. You know who I would take from Miami? He'd, he'd just be a backup big, but. Or he might even start. I, I like Dwayne Deadman. If mm -hmm. he, if maybe Jakob had a, him here. Before. Yeah, I like Gorgie, I like Gorgi and Dwayne. <laughs> I like Dwayne back when we had him. I'm like, what was that? 17, 16, 17? Yeah, no, he was really good. That was on the Kawhi team. Yeah, I was like, no, I was, he was, I was wondering why we got rid of him or didn't get rid of him, why we didn't sign. I think him it out. was just we moved. We were kind of moving into a different phase. Yeah, we were going to try fair. to do the Derek and Dejounte thing. Um. <laughs> Greg says we're going to trade for Brent Forbes. <laughs> is he is he even playing anymore? I th he's he's I don't think he's playing, but he's on Minnesota. He's is on that the he's, Okay, he's yeah. Minnesota. Okay. That's another team <laughs> They're going to give on. us some picks. <laughs> yeah, and Brent Forbes for Jakob. <laughs> they don't have any picks though. They gave them all away for that's true. Rudy. And they already have Nas Reed off the bench, so mm -hmm. I don't know, and they have Rudy. Yeah. No, that's another team that's Ooh. given everything away. The Nets have interest in Romeo? I knew that they had interest at least early in the season for Jakob, but Nick Claxton's been playing pretty well. I think that they might have lowered their price for Jakob. But would you take on Simmons? I don't want to know. I don't want to take on Ben Simmons. We've had this conversation yeah. before, and it's like, what what happened? Like again, we're here yeah. again. Like another team wants to get rid of him. I don't want to. I don't even want to go on this rant. But it's like it's fitting. I have LSU gear on right now because I've been yeah. watching this dude like. 
I don't even want to. I don't want to say waste. You don't got to. You don't have to get into. But it. it feels like that. You know. Yeah. Like God bless him. But like something. It's up here though. It, yeah. It's it all has mental. Nothing to do. But I don't even know. Like how much does he care? He's just like. I feel like. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. He's just like, well, I've got this money. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna get it regardless. <laughs> Like, regardless of how I play or how I act, I'm getting paid this, you know? Mm-hmm. I, feel, oh. I feel bad for Ben Simmons because I do believe that he probably does have attitude problems. And I do believe that he probably doesn't have the work ethic that would really elevate him to, like, a really, really terrific player. I but like I do... Go ahead. You no, know, I don't. I don't want him either. To, to be to be frank, I don't think he'd fit on our, our roster. With the Spurs culture, that's yeah. what I'm talking about. But I still feel... I can't help but feel so badly for him. Because despite all the things that I just said that are negative about him, I feel like he completely has just lost his, like, lost everything, like, mentally. No, he was on track to being a star player. Even though he couldn't yeah. shoot, he was on track to being a, like, this level contract player. He attacked, he would dunk, he could finish. He can't even finish anymore. Like, the dude literally will miss easy finger roll layups because he's... Yeah. I don't know, scared of getting fouled or scared of just missing it. Like, he's so in his head because of what Philly, the city of Philly did to him. Yeah. And the and the media. And so, and then on top of all that, he's got attitude issues, allegedly. I just, I feel bad for him. But I don't want him. Yeah. No, I feel bad for Well, it's because, I mean, like, he could have flourished, you know? He could have. It's it's like and he did Greg for a second. Oden, if he didn't have injury, if the injuries were just like his psyche. Yeah. <laughs> like number one mm. pick too. Like, Oh my gosh, man. So sad. It's as much as I was giving him crap. It really is like, mm-hmm. it's crazy. how his career is gone. Anyways. Um, let's see. We didn't even talk about the Suns game. <laughs> I did the yeah, injury report and we didn't even talk about it. The point is if those guys play um, Devin Booker campaign, and, and somebody else is out. Uh, Landry Shamit. Th- that's who's okay. all confirmed out. They're not day-to-day or questionable. They're out tonight. Um, so the Spurs should have a chance to get a win tonight. Um, it's going to be tough still with with Aiton. Um, and I'm forgetting somebody else, Mikhail Bridges. Um, they're still a better team than the Spurs, even without D-Book, I would say. Um, but we should have a chance tonight. We should, we should be able to keep it competitive if those guys come back. But if they don't come back... Um, It'll probably be it'll be closer. It won't be like the Clippers, but it'll probably be like a twenty point loss. I would echo it. I would echo that for sure. Our man Birkin says that Simmons is scared of having bad stats. That's what he says. It, it really is. That's no, what it boils down to. It's just like this stuff. Like remember the Philly video in the playoffs that went crazy when he was right under the basket, wide open, and like passed, passed it, it. He's continued. Like there's more clips of that type of stuff coming up in Brooklyn. And it's just like, mm-hmm. no, Ugh. but you know, I, I understand a little bit of the appeal to the Spurs because when you think about it, like one, it's like, if anybody can fix him, it's pop, but also it would be a completely no pressure pressure situation yeah. where like, even though now he's in Brooklyn and it's like, it's still better. I'm sure like, that's also a pressure cooker. It's like, we're trying to Kyrie KD, We're trying to win a title for our legacy for greatness. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So maybe if he went somewhere with less pressure, that would be better. But like with the attitude issues and just like you can just see with his demeanor, it just does not feel like it would fit very well here. Like I feel like mm-hmm. if he's in his own head because of all the criticism he's he got in those situations, like that same criticism, maybe even while it wouldn't be the same in the media necessarily, it would probably be worse <laughs> in practice in mm-hmm. San Antonio. You know what I mean? So if like yeah. he's having trouble with that, like with the stuff like Dejounte just talked about too, like mm-hmm. is he really gonna fit here? Like I don't, I don't know if that would go well. That would probably just not go well at all. But you know what? For the sake of doing it, let's what? trade Jakob for Ben Simmons and one first. 
Start Ben at the center yes. spot. Yes. Don't let him bring the ball up the floor. <laughs> but just like give him the ball in the post and let him just be Boris Diaw 2.0, but with a better handle. Just pass. Like I know you don't want to score, but just make play, make and dunk. Like that's all let's we need just, you to look do. Look at his contract. If he was on an expiring contract, yeah. I would actually be willing to do so. I'm not even lying. Can you imagine the front court passing with Ben Simmons at center and and Jeremy? Well, Sohan that's the other thing. Forward? Like he needs to play. He like I think at this point he's playing the wrong like, position. Yes, he needs to play like the four and the five. Yeah, straight up. Six ten, six eleven, strong dude. Really good, versatile defender. He's got two more years of thirty seven and forty million. Yeah, no, he's getting no, paid thirty five million to do not that much. <laughs> Yeah, never mind. Like, I don't want to. That's <laughs> a fun crazy, idea. that contract. I can't believe. I mean, I know you got to go for it if you're Brooklyn, but like, that's crazy. I, I would have just been, I would have never traded no. for it. Like, if I was another team, like, it would be very hard for me to take that on. Yeah, now, now that I think about it, I don't, it'd be a cool experiment to put him at the center spot for the Spurs, but for $37 million, no, thank you. If we are going to legitimately try and build around whoever we draft next year, plus Devin, plus Keldon, like we're, we're going to need that cap space mm-hmm. to not only pay them, but maybe bring in somebody in the next couple of years in free agency. So rather not get all that cap into a, into a Boris Diaw molded center. All right, Ethan, can I leave you and run to the restroom and be right back? Yeah. All right. Sure. I'll be right back, y'all. Okay. All right. So now it's just the Ethan show. Let's see what Gregory has to say. Him and Gobert just don't give you enough offensively to win. Yeah, they both have kind of similar games in the sense that they're both really solid defenders, but once you figure out how to get past them, then they basically become potatoes on the court because you can't give them the rock offensively. They're just going to do something stupid with it. And then defensively, how how much anymore in this league can you really be impactful if all you can do is play defense um because this league is predicated on just scoring at this point because you can't touch anybody the the era of tony allen's and gary payton's i think that we've kind of moved past that era at least for the time being what's the lowest pick for the season to be an l (sighs) i think we need at least a top four pick I mean, Jude has talked about it. This draft is loaded. So really, you could probably get a very, very good player in top 10. But I obviously, we, we've we've struggled so badly. And we're, I think it's pretty clear what the goal of the season is, is to get as high of a pick as you can. And when you have guys like Victor Wembanyama and Scoot Henderson, you know, and Jude has mentioned the other, the, the Thompson twins, like it, it would be, it would be very disappointing to have gone through such a horrible season and not land a top four pick. Are you responding least. to this question? Yeah. 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 I, I was saying it. I mean, I would want at least a top four, top five, like any, any less than that. And it's like, why the hell did we try so hard to lose if that's all we're going to get? So, yeah. Greg says after two, it's a crapshoot. I'm scared to not get a top two pick. Yeah. That's the dream. Yeah, right. Because with those two, it's it's I mean, it's just so legit. Um, Speaking of that, uh, the G League Ignite are playing the Austin Spurs in their next game. So if you all want to check out Scoot Henderson and see a little bit of the Spurs prospects as well, definitely tune into that. I don't know that maybe today, actually, let me check. But the reason I brought that up is not just because of Scoot Henderson. It's because the other thing that I wanted to talk about on this episode, Ethan, was Charles Bassey and... Mm freaking dominic barlow yes speaking of a spurs win this week they beat the mavs g league team the texas legends 131 to like 101 were they in so, dallas uh no they were in they were okay, in austin. I, was, I should have gone oh, to see them no they were in austin um and anyways i'm trying to get to the g league the point is charles basie had 40 and 16 mm-hmm. <laughs> and my dude was two for three from the three-point line and was pulling up from the mid-range on a couple different buckets. Um, with all of this Jakob trade news, like that's the other thing that kind of legitimizes that smoke to me a little bit. Like I said, it, it could not be true, but that gives me a little bit more belief that it's possible because of the fact that if we trade him for picks, we can easily just call up Charles Bassey and, I mean, 
we've That's already it. seen him play really well on the actual Spurs this year. So I and he's definitely, I mean, rotation player in the league for sure. Yes, no doubt. Sure. He's just been dominating. The G League also has this. Um, what is it called? Next up game or whatever. Yes, the next up game, and I don't know if I sent this to you, but Charles mm-hmm. Bassey is fourth in votes for that right now. So I mean, he's been averaging like twenty five and like twelve. So it makes sense. But I mean, he it's it's too easy for him down there. He big bodies everybody. He was catching lobs, setting screens, and shooting now. So it, it's like our man Greg. He was in the comments earlier. Spurs versus everybody was saying on Twitter that it's like he's he's the Jalen Duran. You know, for all mm-hmm. of us that were that were asking for him, he's basically that, and, and he's got a jumper. And I feel like we've kind of unlocked some potential there for sure with the way that the the Sixers just let him go. Um, still, just twenty two years old. I mean, really, like that, that could be, it's, but it's almost like a rookie. It's like having a rookie yeah. because, I mean, obviously, it would be somebody who played four years, but still, um, just a, a really good find. And I'm excited to see him have a consistent role on the team um, if we do move Jakob, just because I feel like his potential has been raised since he's come to San Antonio. Obviously, we're biased, but like the stuff he was doing, he's the stuff he's doing in the G League and the stuff he was doing on the actual Spurs. Obviously, some of it's empty stats, but there's also some wins in there, too. He was not doing when he was in Philly. Um, And obviously, he's from San Antonio, too. So that could kind of give him a little bit, you know, of extra motivation to, you know, work hard at the second opportunity. Um, But also, I I really think his potential, I mean, like, he's more physical than Jakob, straight up. Like, he's got more physical attributes. Obviously, he's not as tall as him, but when it comes to just, like, strength, he mm-hmm. can do things that Jakob can't do. Like Jakob's not catching lobs like he is. Also, Jakob's not shooting like he is. Like, I know this sounds crazy, but like watching that game, I know it's the G League and combining some of the stuff that we've seen from him on the actual Spurs, like maybe he has a higher ceiling. That sounds crazy. I know it sounds crazy right now because Jakob is so good defensively and he does so much stuff that doesn't show up on the stat sheet. But the point is, is that Charles Bassey is a very good like fallback option in the situation Mm -hmm. the Spurs are in right now, because you can bring him back on a cheap contract next year. If you end up striking gold and getting Wembenyama, I know that's it's Wembenyama, but I just like saying Wembenyama because it's fun to say. Um, And it adds a little Texas twang to the end of it, you know? So we're trying to, we're trying to make sure, you know, he's as Texas as possible prior to the draft. Um, Not Houston though. Houston do not want Houston to get him. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I didn't even think about that. We haven't even talked about that dude. Like, cause they're the, they're in our division. They're the other team. Like, yeah. Yeah. And honestly, they would, definitely prefer him over scoot because they've already got guards yeah well the the shit they already got sorry they already they already got forwards so (laughs) they would they would run kpj jalen green jabari smith at the three wembenyama at the four and alperin shangu yeah that's i don't want that (laughs) for my biggest rival that would be horrible yeah um but what you're saying about bassy i I mean that got off tangent but yeah, yeah no yeah i couldn't have said it better myself um he makes trading Jakob seem a little less like, I don't know, like the team's not going to fall apart necessarily. Right. Because he's continually continually improved from the start of his season to now. He is clearly more skilled than at least I thought he was going to be. I mm-hmm. thought he was just going to be kind of a really big guy that a little bit clumsy, but he can catch lobs and maybe get a block shot every once in a while. Like that's really what I thought he was going to be. Because he's been in the G mm-hmm. League his entire you know career, um, but he has a low post game. He has improved as a jump shooter. He can be a threat from three point land, um, and defensively, I mean, he goes after everything. He combines the the strengths of Drew Eubanks with a little bit more skill. So like right. blocking shots, being aggressive, throwing your body around, getting dunks, setting great picks. But then also, if you throw it down to him in the block, you know he's not going to turn the ball over as much as maybe Drew did back in the day. He's not going to you know dribble it off his foot a little bit. He he has more capabilities at that center position. Um, and then also Zach Collins has continued to improve. Yep, he has unlocked a new part of his game this season. So if you want to elevate Zach to that starting spot, trade Jakob for a pick, maybe hopefully two picks, bring in Bassey to back him up. 
we're trying to lose, right? So right. might as well throw him into the fire and see what he can do in the NBA because so far what we've seen has been pretty pretty damn good. Yeah, and and not everybody like dominates in the G League like that no. either. Like I not I really all. think like he may have. This sounds crazy, but he may have a higher potential than Zach. Probably does. Just because he's 22. Yeah. Like, that's the. I Obviously, there can be a ceiling on right, run, jump, and dunk centers, but he's mm-hmm. developing jumpers. He's developing more skills, which is probably why they like playing him in Austin so much. Um, and like I said, he's probably going to be in the G League next up game because of the stuff he's doing down there. It's not the same, but it is definitely translatable skills. Um, for sure. But another person that we have to talk about down there is Dom Barlow. He's continued to be just on a tear, continued to be efficient on a tear is a little bit of a stretch, but comparing um, the way he was playing at the beginning of the G league to Mm. where he's at now um, has, has been a tear for him. And and the thing that I noticed the most watching that game, Ethan, I I texted you um, when I was watching it is, and you can look at the stat sheets, and he had 17 and seven, hit two threes. You know, can be that stretch four, getting better at uh, that jumper. Uh, on top of you know being a force on the boards, didn't have a, a crazy game in that one because Bassey had 16 or Bassey, excuse me. Um, I actually figured that out. It is Bassey. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but Don Barlow had seven, but he's had some other games where he's had some 14 rebound games, some 16 rebound games as well. Um, but he does his off-ball movement and his cutting. That's what I was texting you about. Like, there was this one specific play where it was a fast break, and he cuts to the middle. But you can tell he's doing it, like, on purpose. He's like, okay, this is my run lane. Like, this is the lane I got to run through on this fast break, right? And that because of that, that draws attention from the other defender who has to kind of crash because it's like, okay, yeah, it's a one-on-one, but he's got the step on this guy, so he's going to have an easy layup if they get it to him in the paint, right? Yeah. So that dude collapses on him to kind of like double team a little bit, which leads to a wide open three in the corner. And there's actually, well, it, it wasn't a wide open three. It was, he catches the ball in the corner for a three. And then that person who, or the dude who had crashed a little bit inside has to, you know, run to the perimeter as fast as he can and jump. Right. And so that leads to a pump fake dribble, pull up mid range. And it was missed. But the point is, is that shot would not have happened if Dominic Barlow didn't make that cut on the run lanes and talking to just like other, I do a podcast with um, the San Marcos high school basketball coach and, and he's coached um, at, at a D three university as well and, and has some NCAA tournament wins on his resume. The point is he knows what he's talking about and he's a pretty solid basketball coach. Those run lanes and transition, like those are things that they go over and they play a lot of transition down there in San Marcos. But to, to get off of that, the point is, is that is another translatable skill that doesn't show up on the stat sheet that I'm sure the Spurs are loving to see on tape. And so it, it was just like in the first quarter, he did so much, but his stat sheet was like blank. Like mm. he just, it was just like every possession, the way that I was thinking of it and the way I wanted to describe it when we got on here was he was just like, okay, what can I do to like make this the best possession possible? Like, what can I do to make sure we get a bucket here? Like, it doesn't matter if I score, if I do great, doesn't matter if I get a rebound. It's just like, where can I place myself on the floor in our offense so we can have the most like a f- successful chance to have a success or the, the best chance to have a successful possession? That's the way that I would describe it. So, yeah, love the I selflessness. I haven't seen too many games live of him. I've watched, I think, probably three or four this season. But he's definitely a high intelligent player. Um, clearly, he understands how to play the game. What I like most about him is his versatility. He has the size and strength of a four, of a really quality four. But he moves almost like a three or a two. Yep. Like he he runs like a gazelle. He's quick. Like you said, his off ball movement is surprisingly very good for someone as at his size. So if he continues to improve his skills, and it sounds like he is on a game to game basis, just kind of figuring out more things, more ways to impact a, a possession or a game, um, and obviously fine tune some of his smaller things like you know jump shots, setting better but screens. That's gotten better. Yeah, it, it, obviously it's going to continue to to improve over the season. We've texted about this. He could be a really great hidden gem kind of project player that turns out to yeah. be a, a matchup nightmare for other teams because how tall do you think he's 611 no he's 610 yeah 610 that's for the spurs list him at least to run as he does mm-hmm. it sounds like he's kind of has the what the spurs were hoping to get out of lucas samanich but with a much better mindset 
Yeah. And he's, he's from a tough place growing up. You know, I don't know how I didn't find this like last year, but I was on YouTube. Like when I was watching this game, I was like, dude, like at halftime, I was like, let me like, I remember like being excited about him and liking his upside, but I went, there's two videos specifically that overtime elite did. And I've gone on my rant about that and Eamon and the Sir Thompson. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there's this highlight tape that's like 10 minutes. Go watch that. You'll see him dunking on people. You know, that kind of, you you talked about how he moves like a three. That's that's very accurate. But he has the size of a, of a four, you know. Um, and really, we're probably going to play him more at the four and the five, which I don't mind. He's mm-hmm. 6'10", 220. Like that's, for me, that's, if he's mainly a four and then like his secondary position is center, like that's that's totally cool. Totally to fine. Yeah, right. Um, and especially, you know, I mentioned this so many times, they're the prime example, but it's like, you know, eventually when we move him up, that would be like a great person to play against Alperin Sengun. You know what I mean? Who's also yeah. 6'10". That, he would match up great with the Rockets. So in those type of situations, he's it's, it's good to have his versatility there. But there's the video with this highlight tape that's like 10 minutes. Go watch that because there's a ton of highlight plays. Um, but then also go watch this like seven minute interview with him talking about like getting ready for draft prep and like within like the first minute and a half he's like people you know where I come from like don't become pro athletes and I remember seeing the video that overtime elite put out over the summer when we signed him or after the draft when he was there went undrafted but then got a call from the Spurs offering the two-way he was there with his mom like profusely like crying on her shoulder and that's the reason that he went to overtime elite because he got offered a million bucks like mm-hmm. he was going to go play, I think it's some academy and then like try to go play college. Like he was he was still like kind of in that mindset of like, OK, I probably got to go play college. But then over time, Elite came around, offered him that. And he was somewhere else before. He was also on the New York Rens of EYBL. That's a really good, you know, the Peach Jam is where the, you know, the nation's elite prospects go to play. Um, but. Like that was another reason why he played in OTE because his family, like that family was different, that money was difference making for his family. And then just the opportunity to be in the league after all of that, even though you go undrafted to get the opportunity, like you can tell, like he, he's been through a lot. Um, yeah. And, and so that mindset, you know, you're talking about Luka Samanich, you know, like his mindset is probably the opposite of Luka yeah. who like doesn't want to go back on a fast break where like, He's kind of had to like work through a lot and, you know, to get to this point and he's grateful for every moment. It It's a really good interview with him. Um, and so I'm I'm just super excited about him. And I just I, I'm like, I really think he has a, a super high ceiling. I know that sounds crazy, but I think he can be like a rotation big for the Spurs moving forward, whether that's 2024 or 2023. Who knows? Um, but I, I think that, like you said, that was a that was a project kind of hidden gym type thing that the Spurs picked up there. Um, and to see his progression, the way that he has progressed, because there were some, some rough moments in the beginning of this G league mm-hmm. season to see him persevere through that and kind of show the stuff that, you know, we saw in his OTE highlights. Now we're kind of seeing more of that in Austin. Um, and he's only 19. Like that's another thing. Like you mm-hmm. can develop this guy for another three years. Like, Anyways, I could go on and on, but I, I really like Don Barlow is the point. <laughs> I think you said it best to summarize Don Barlow's improvement. He's finding ways to make an impact on every single possession. That does not always include him scoring the ball. Yeah. Sums it up perfectly. And that's and that's what the Spurs are looking for. And you can tell that like he's he's buying into it. It seemed like mm-hmm. he knew the offense really well too. Like when somebody moves somewhere, and really that's a testament to the whole team. They they were running it pretty solid sets and, and all that stuff seemed like everybody knew where they needed to go. But um, his movement specifically, and, and in that game, it was, he was drawing a lot of attention because they had Blake Wesley got called up and they had like two other starters, Sean D Brown jr. I think is one he was out. And then um, Jordan Attaway, I think was also out in that game. Actually, no, I, I think Jordan Attaway played, but the point is they had some starters out for the Austin Spurs too. So it was like, okay, him and Basie are going to be the main guys. And they were the two leading scorers. Hmm. Love to see it. Gregory says my baby Al Horford agenda for Dom will be pushed. That's a really good comparison. That's like a, that's a really good comparison. Mm. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. We could use an Al Horford. 
Good stuff from Charles Bassey and Dominic Barlow is the point. And so when we talk about the post-trade deadline spurs, we obviously talked about how Charles will probably take those minutes, um, but we'll probably also see more of Dom Barlow come March, I think, you know, because he's really been down there for the most part. There's been a couple games that we've seen, and I think that's a very good thing, which has led to the development that he's had now. And I think he probably still needs a little bit more time before we start Mm. giving him some spot minutes in the league. Um, And as we mentioned on our last episode, we just have so many fours right now. It's kind of hard to like find minutes for him. Um, Mm -hmm. He still, I though, I think we'll see more of him kind of post trade deadline as well because of the way that he's been progressing. So I hope so. I hope so too. Any final thoughts on this episode of SSPN live, Ethan? I hope so. Hand plays tonight, and so does Jay Rich and Romeo, so we can have a competitive game that ultimately we lose. <laughs> <laughs> I think we, if, if all three of those guys play, I actually think we, I don't, I'm not saying we will win, but I think it's, it probably goes down to the wire. Just because, just because D book and they have three rotation players out too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just need to get that 38 point loss out of my head. Yeah. <laughs> I Make think that'll third. happen tonight. Even if we lose, like I, I think it'll be more like 2015, some somewhere Please. around there. I'll if take we get it. Some of the guys back. Oh my gosh. Well, just looking at some of the Spurs' other games coming up, other than the one tonight in Phoenix, they'll have Monday against Washington, and then mm-hmm. on Wednesday they'll have Sacramento, and Friday against Philadelphia. That's actually a four-game homestand for the Spurs. So back in San Antonio, we should have the post games back now that we're back on central time. Yeah, for real. we're not. The games aren't starting at almost 10 o'clock. Um, we, we should be back with those this week for sure. Friday, I won't be able to do because I'll actually be no at worries. that game. Oh, well, there you go. There you go. I'll make sure uh, to yell something derogatory to Embiid. <laughs> and I'll say, that's at least from you're going to get to, to play. Yeah, yeah. Just say it's all for me. And then Joel's going to come jump me. Yeah, but perfect. it's okay. He's already he's having to pay fines for the DX thing. Twenty five thousand bucks. Oh my gosh, crazy Poor guy, crazy. Well, we appreciate you guys hanging out and talking Spurs with us for about an hour here. I know some of the trade talks a little bit repetitive, but it's kind of like that's that's the buzz right now. That's what everybody's talking about. That's what everybody wants to hear. So we dove into that. Charles Bassey and Dom Barlow are looking great in the G League. We love to see it. Um, and hopefully we don't get blown out by 40 tonight. That's kind of the hope. But we appreciate you guys. Even if we do, it's just increasing the lottery odds. Just remember that with every mm-hmm. L. There were more L's in L.A., but more L's towards lottery odds. That's that's how we got to think of it. There we go. We appreciate we go. y'all. We'll catch y'all in the next one. Go Spurs, go.